the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hey, everybody. Good Friday to you. So here's a, an editorial from the Wall Street Journal. It's titled, The New Segregation on Campus. UCLA's medical school divides students by race to teach anti-racism. Is that great? Is that great or what? The collapse of the medical profession into an amoral mass of sheep is very disturbing, and I, uh, I'm pessimistic about the entire medical profession of the United States of America. Uh, we are producing sheep-like kids who become doctors, and they are moral morons. Now, can a moral moron uh, do a good job? If, uh, if you need back surgery, I presume so. But the amount of time spent in medical school on leftist ideology as opposed to medicine is, let's put, let's put it this way, it works against the belief that the future doctors of America will be particularly good at what matters, medicine. If you've heard that the diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda is going away, don't believe it. Of course not. An, an energy, an e- emerging practice at elite medical schools segregates students by race to teach them about alleged structural racism in healthcare. The University of California at Los Angeles, that's UCLA, School of Medicine, requires that first-year students take a class called Structural Racism and Health Equity. Uh, That'll make a better doctor. Structural Racism and Health Equity. That's a course that you have to take in first-year medical school. So that is time spent when they could otherwise become a better physician. Of course, the left will say, oh, knowing structural racism in health equity, notice health equity, not equality, but anyway, as part of the standard curriculum. In one exercise for the course, students divide by racial group and retreat to different areas to discuss anti-racist prompts. Well, this is known as racial caucusing a teaching device that UCLA describes as an, quote, anti-racist pedagogical tool to provide effective, reflective space 
for us to explore how our positionality, ah, a new word. I like it. I'm going to say, I'm here. And now, ladies and gentlemen, can I have a drum roll or is the, uh, or is the drummer retired still? Still retired? Uh, I will now use it for the first time. And the recipient of it will be Sean McConnell, my engineer. Sean, how was your positionality? I like that. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot. Thump. Wait. No, no, the, the drummer sounds like he's in Madagascar. It's not good. Not good. No, no, no. To explore how our, our positionality. Seriously, is that a word? Have any of you ever heard of it? Have any of you ever heard of it outside of academia? Particularly our racial identities as perceived within clinical spaces influence our interaction with patients, colleagues, and other staff. The University of California, Los Angeles School of Medicine requires... I read that, yes. That was... that was. Uh, no, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I see. It's... it's it, it's repeated in, in what I copied over. Final, uh, this is known, okay, I got that, yep. Oh, now listen to this. The day the civil rights complaint was filed, UCLA abruptly informed students that the caucusing exercise was canceled, which suggests that administrators know the practice is legally suspect. Caucus by race. If you, the handful of Americans who really are in the Ku Klux Klan, who really are white supremacists, they must be angry at the left. And you know why? They've put them out of business. Who needs the Ku Klux Klan if you have leftists? They both believe in black inferiority, and they both believe in segregation. Hmm. Yeah. The left has taken over the Ku Klux Klan's ideology. All right. Anthony Fauci fesses up. It turns out the six-feet social distancing rule had no scientific basis. <laughs> what do you think of that? You understand that if you'd have listened to this show from 2020 on, you'd have gotten more accurate scientific information than from the NIH, CDC, or Food and Drug Administration. Far, far more. The six-feet rule, this is from the Wall Street Journal, the six-feet rule for social distancing, quote, sort of just appeared, unquote, without a solid scientific basis. 
That's one of the admissions that members of Congress say the former National Institutes of Health potentate made this week in two days of closed-door testimony to the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. It's nice of Dr. Fauci to acknowledge now that the rule lacked the scientific basis, but at the time, he and other officials didn't want to acknowledge this, lest the public question other COVID nostrums. Dr. Fauci had already undermined public trust by confessing that his advice not to wear a mask, not to wear a mask, early in the pandemic was guided by political expedience. Quote, Show me a school. Oh, this is another one. Are you ready? Uh, the, the remember, for the the left, truth is not a value. It's a value for conservatives and liberals, but not leftists. Show me a school that I shut down, and show me a factory that I shut down. Doctor Fauci told the New York Times last April. Never, I never did. Wow, how's that? That's that's what uh, what's her name the the, the head of the uh, I'll get it is it the National Education Association or National Federation of Teachers that's what she says oh we didn't we didn't we didn't want any schools shut they lie with the ease with which you eat breathe walk sleep well some of you need need a, a supplement to sleep well. The left needs a supplement to tell the truth. It's called a conscience. Show me a school that I shut down. Show me a factory I shut down. Never, I never did. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation, and people made a decision based on that. (laughs) As the Wall Street Journal writes, he's too modest. He knows his recommendations backed by a conformist press put pressure on politicians to agree with him. I never shut down a school. Oh, my God. That man, he, uh, you know, I advertise relief factor sleep. I'll bet he sleeps like a baby. When you don't have a conscience to bother you, it... Uh, it really aids in sleep. The six-foot rule had no scientific basis. I knew it was crap. I knew it was crap because when I went to Europe in 2021, it was a three-foot rule. I guess they, uh, they breathe differently in Europe. Is there anything, any truth that they told during covid Name me one truth that they told. I can't think of a thing. The Dennis Prager Show. So it's Seb Gorka and Mike Gallagher, my two colleagues, two of my colleagues at Salem, who told me about the PhD weight loss program. Uh, And the only reason I took them seriously is because they lost so much weight with it and it stayed off. So I have discipline in eating. It has never really been an issue. Just I haven't been able to lose weight, and I've always wanted to. And sure enough, I've tried it. And now, let's see, it's uh, basically two pounds a month and six months. They, they did it faster. 
but I'm, I'm amazed that I've been able to do that. And it's no pills, no injections, just solid science, no shortcuts, coaching from them. Go to phdweightloss.com or just call them 864-644-1900, 864-644-1900, or go to myphdweightloss.com. Here's a piece from The Independent, which is left-wing in, uh, in uh, Britain. The number of British homes that failed to pay their energy bills surged by almost 40% compared with a year ago. Figures from the Office for National Statistics showed on Thursday, that is yesterday. Huh. Energy poverty, I don't know the term in in German, but that, that is a factor in Germany too. The damage the Greens are doing to regular people's lives is incalculable. It is a fanatical movement, and when you see its persona, the personage, what's the word, Sean? What is that word I got? Oh, the positionality. Yes. Greta Thunberg's positionality. You understand the element of fanaticism and cult cult-like status of the Greens. You were lied to so much about COVID, the effects, the, uh, I just told you the latest one, six feet distancing was made up, completely made up, zero scientific basis. Fauci himself admits that. Closing schools, closing uh, businesses, all it did is damage. It did no good whatsoever. It only hurt. The, I, I read to you almost on a weekly basis another report on the damage done by the lockdowns. Did the uh, vaccine save any lives? I have no idea. I'm not saying it, it, that it didn't. I have no idea. Nobody has an idea, including the people who speak for medicine in America, most of whom are not honest. Because people are sheep, and therefore people, after you've been lied to and damaged by the experts on COVID, the the country of Sweden listened to nothing that American experts said, nothing, and did fine. It went the opposite direction, no masks, no lockdowns, all the kids were in school till the age of 16, nothing happened except that the country wasn't ruined. Kids learned something. Although I can't say they learn much when they go to school, but it's better to go to school than stay home and on, your, uh, on your phone. But these experts, all of a sudden, they become honest. At what point will people say, wait a minute, when they want to re-engineer society, I won't believe them. That's, that's the way to understand the Greens. The average Brit, it's its a war, it's not a war on the rich. They fly their planes to Davos and to, and to uh, COVID conference, no, excuse me, to uh, carbon emissions conferences, climate change conferences. But the, the regular guy, 
can't pay his bill. These are the bored secular of an affluent, a horrible combination. Empty souls need meaning. Marx hated religion because religion, he said it, was the opiate of the masses. So he gave them a secular opiate. Marxism. Yes, we'll fight class warfare. Ah, that's, that's the issue for society. That and climate change. Going to Fairbanks to give a talk to a Christian group in uh, next month. I, I took it in part because I want to see the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. I also want to experience what it's like to have a wind chill factor 40 below. I actually Googled, why don't your eyes freeze over? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, if your skin is out exposed in that temperature for, for you know, X number of minutes, it'll be frostbitten. So how come your eyes can take minus 20? Now, uh, Sean, I'm very curious. Did you ever wonder that in your whole life? I didn't... Yeah, you're jealous of the trip. Well, be jealous when I come back, and, and, and let, me, let me report to you. I don't even own clothing that can actually withstand that. I don't own clothing that can handle Chicago in the winter, let alone Fairbanks. Yes, that's a great question. At what temperature do your eyes freeze over? I don't know. They don't freeze over because they're recessed, and they're in, I think, I don't remember, some membrane that doesn't, is not affected like that. My wife told it to me, and I'm a husband, and you'll say, well, you didn't listen. I listened to every word she said. But like many men, I, I forgot some of it. I really wanted to remember that. Why don't your eyes freeze over? Britain's had to contend with skyrocketing energy bills and mortgage rates over the last few years. Wholesale energy prices rose significantly after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is it. This is, they always have another excuse. Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's true. I don't deny that prices for energy rose after that. But if people had been relying on their own energy, then it wouldn't have mattered, like to the United States, which it did under Donald Trump. It was exporting energy. Now we import it from wonderful places like Venezuela. Well, all right, y'all. 1-8 Prager, 776. Well, we finally uh, hit the Houthis, the Iranian-backed Yemenis. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. As you know, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. So, 
He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream bedsheets. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream sheets. You will receive a set for as low as $29.98. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and now even flannel sheets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302, use the promo code Prager. Go to MyPillow.com, make sure you use the promo code Prager. Did I report this? I think I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did. But it's worth renoting. Biden administration, this is Associated Press, which is on on the left, like all the major media. So you know it's not writing this to badmouth the Biden administration. They probably agree with it. We have this staggering debt in the country, and he's giving almost three-quarters of a billion dollars in grants to help build an electrical vehicle charging network across the nation. Grants announced will fund 47 EV charging station in 22 states, including 7,500 EV charging ports. Wait a minute, $623 million gets us 47 charging stations? That's an amazing thing. All based on climate change. It's Americans are being forced to get electric cars. Being forced. Right? California, you won't even be able to buy a gas-powered car. Was it 2035? What year does it begin? I think that's the year. You'll be able to buy a used one. You can't buy a new one. Congress approved $7.5 billion. You know how much of that is going to be pocketed by businesses, which means people? <laughs> we have no money and $7.5 billion. Build a national network of 500,000 publicly available chargers by 2030. Right. Progress on the network has been slow. Really? Why is that? I wonder really, I wonder why that is. With seven billion dollars spent? Where did the money go? Seven billion dollars. Ohio and New York are the only states that have opened charging stations under the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program. Several other states, including Pennsylvania and Maine, have broken ground on federally funded projects. That's it. A total of 28 states plus Puerto Rico have either awarded contracts to build chargers or have accepted bids to do so. How much corruption do you think is involved there? How does the how do the state governments choose 
the contractor. Hmm? When you have so much money, hundreds of millions of dollars to just hand out. It's, 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 okay. Oh my God. Now you know why the founders didn't want big government. Big government is the big issue. How many kids are even offered an insight into the damaging aspects of big government? Like, I was going to say every genocide of the 20th century was committed by big government, but I realize thanks to the, the Arab world and the left in the Western world, the word genocide has been raped of meaning, just as racism has. No evil now means anything. Fascist doesn't mean anything. White supremacist doesn't mean anything. Racist doesn't mean anything. Misogynist doesn't mean anything. Now genocide doesn't mean anything. Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. How gargantuan a lie can you have? And vast numbers of people echo that lie. The left has destroyed the war against evil. There is nothing good about the left. Nothing. But they sleep well at night. And they're so sure that they're right. Ah. What a great feeling to ruin things and think you're doing good. The Dennis Prager Show. How, how sick are our schools? This is from National Review. San Francisco School District directs teachers to resources that condemn Israeli terrorism as worse than Hamas. San Francisco, January 11th, that's yesterday. That's the date for the, of the article. San Francisco United School District administrators instructed high school teachers to engage in classroom discussions about the Israel-Hamas war using an educational resource that argues Israeli terrorism has been significantly worse than that of the Palestinians. According to memos obtained by a parental rights watchdog group and shared exclusively with National Review. Why, why are they even doing this? Why, why are they... Why, do the kids know too much literature and too much art and too much music and too much history and too much math and too much biology and, and so they have this extra time to be propagandized with regard to the uh, Israel-Hamas conflict? I don't remember discussing uh, these uh, issues in my classroom. I actually was taught things. Wow. The first of the listed resources, Teach Mideast, promotes multiple anti-Zionist articles and viewpoints, 
including an article published by Jerome Slater, an Israel-hating professor, I looked him up, retired from Ohio State Political Science. Amazing to be an Israel-hater. You have to be a really sick dude. Really, really sick. In the article... Slater blames Israel for Hamas violence. Now, does he blame the Jews for Nazi violence? I wonder. For several reasons, Israeli terrorism has been morally worse than that of the Palestinians. Israeli terrorism. The Palestinian terrorists murdered the entire Israeli Olympic team in the 1972 Munich Olympics. That's 28 and 24. That's 52 years ago. Israel commits stuff like that. SFUSD, San Francisco United School District, also asked teachers to consider how they might, quote, educate in hopes of a truly just and lasting peace in Israel's dash Palestine. And to ask students, quote, how has the decades-long conflict between Israel and Palestine... It is amazing how they, the left has even co-opted this word. It's not the Palestinians, it's not the Palestinian Authority, and Palestine, like there's a country, Palestine, taken shape over time to the, in this current fa- conflagration. Teach Mideast is run by the Middle East Policy Council in Washington, D.C., a think tank that in 2007 accepted funding from Saudi Arabia. Another teaching framework is a video titled Challenging Anti-Semitism from a Framework of Collective Liberation that seeks to disentangle the false conflation of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Please read my article, uh, my column from a few weeks ago. Yes, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. It's another left-wing lie, 100% lie, that anti-Zionism is not anti-Jewish, which is what anti-Semite means or anti-Semitism. There's only one state of the 210 countries on earth that should be obliterated, but I'm not anti-Jewish. As I've said I've said for 40 years, I wrote it in my book, which you should read, Why the Jews? It explains everything with regards to the Jews now. Why the Jews? The reason for anti-Semitism, the greatest predictor of human evil. It's called Why the Jews? You should. It, it's an eye-opener. I wrote it a long time ago. It's been updated three times. No, it's been updated twice. So it's... Uh, still in print and it's still utterly relevant. And I wrote a chapter is anti-Zionism anti-Semitism only one state on earth should be obliterated the Jewish state but don't ever think that anti-Zionism which is what anti-Zionism means anti-Zionism means I am against the existence of the Zionist state that's what it means Are you against the existence of any other state? Why is Pakistan legitimate? Of course, they wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about because they don't learn anything. How many many Harvard students know how Pakistan was created? 
If they're not Pakistani, probably zero. That's really something. That that's uh, that's what they're teaching. Collective liberation. The need for educational resources on anti-Semitism within a pedagogic framework of collective liberation is particularly important at this moment as rising white nationalist violence targets many of our communities, including Jews, Muslims, black people. That's what it is. Get it? Ah, that's what it is. It's It's white supremacists, white nationalist violence. That's what's uh, attacking Jewish bakeries and delicatessens and synagogues. Overwhelmingly, it's pro-Palestinian thugs who are doing it, whether they are Muslim or leftist. This is what kids in San Francisco are learning. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's the happy, 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 happy hour. Hey, everybody, the happiness hour. We haven't missed a Friday. No matter how bad the world is, we have a happiness hour because the whole point is you got to be happy in bad times. you got to pursue it. Yes, you do. Because the happy make the world better, and the unhappy unhappy make it worse. All right, everybody, the happiness hour since 1999. It is now 25 years, a quarter of a century. I haven't missed a Friday, except if I've been off that Friday, which happens about, how many Fridays do I miss? I figure five, two for cruise and three for whatever reason. When I, you know, when I'm paying bail for Sean when when he's arrested, it's often on a Friday for whatever reason. I have a great subject for you today. Could be life changing for you or for someone you love. So the Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H, terrific, terrific, terrific newspaper. One of the only ones remaining. It's a new one, so remaining might be inappropriate. They wrote this right before Christmas. and it is a, the, But the subject is, is applicable at any time of the year. The, it was called Debt and Dopamine. 
Dopamine is a neurotransmitter meant to help us learn and remember things. The brain releases dopamine to remind us something feels good and seems like a good activity to repeat. Unfortunately, this mechanism can work against us. Many unhealthy activities now prevalent in the world, from drugs to eating added sugar to shopping, can trigger surges of dopamine and the pleasant feelings that come with it. Chasing these feelings and the dopamine spikes that cause them can rewire the brain. That is really something. This is a scary little thing. Your brain can be rewired by uh, the dopamine spikes that we chase. Can rewire the brain over time and lead to discontentment and anxiety. After large rushes of dopamine, the brain falls below baseline. In other words, we feel lower than before. The result is that we want to feel that surge of dopamine again and to repeat the unhealthy behavior. This can cause long-term problems with mental health. In the 50s, if you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. And this article ends... This should be as true now as ever, but about a quarter of Americans still haven't paid off last year's Christmas. The pursuit, if you don't want to use the word dopamine, but it's a very important one to use because there's a physiological basis for this point, the pursuit of excitement is a very big impediment to happiness because the excitement of today will not be exciting next year or perhaps next week. The dopamine surge, in order to achieve it, remember as they put it, the brain falls below baseline. So people keep pursuing excitement. I'm a big believer in King Solomon's ring. I've told you the story many times. Doesn't matter. It's worth repeating. King Solomon, the legend goes, asked his wise men for a magic ring. One that will lift him up when he is down and bring him back to earth when he is too high. I don't mean from liquor or from alcohol specifically, but rather just emotionally, to keep him, as it were, stable. And the wise men or the magicians, whatever they were, they made him a ring, and on it were two Hebrew words, gam, zu, yavor, which in English means, this too shall pass. Yes, I'm asked very frequently, so are you excited about, and it's some upcoming thing, which is admittedly a wonderful thing, like my annual cruise with listeners, 
So as it approaches, by the way, next year we're going to Greenland, believe it or not, from England through Iceland and the Shetland Islands. It's an amazing thing to go on a world-class luxury liner to Greenland. It's very rare. Anyway, people ask me, you know, people in my life, so you excited about the, the trip? And I try to explain very sweetly that that's, that's not the way I work. I don't get excited in advance. I thoroughly enjoy these things, but I I don't rely, I think, I may be fooling myself. I, I often ask, am I fooling myself? But I don't think that I rely on excitement for my happiness. I love the calm, and I, this I've talked about many, many times, of being a permanent... 7.5 on the 1 to 10 happiness scale rather than pr- pursuing 10 and then ending up falling back with a 5. I did this, I remember I when I did this subject in January, when, wait, when was it? Was it, no, 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 excuse me, in October. This past September or October, just a few months ago, uh, my oldest grandson was bar mitzvah. And, uh, of course, we went, by my wife and I, went to Florida, where my son and his family live. And it was a very beautiful uh, weekend. And uh, I, sp- I speak to him about every other week by Zoom. We have at least an hour together on Zoom. We used to do it uh, every week, but he's gotten busier, and so I've gotten busy. Well, I'm always busy, but anyway... About every other week. We try to do it every week. We we talk to each other for at least an hour, about a half hour on the Torah, and about a half hour about football, fishing, and life. Football, fishing, and life. That, that's a good title of a book. So he told me, when we got together on Zoom... Or his dad told me, either he or his father, and then I talked it over with him, that he, to his credit, means he's self-aware, he had a, what is what would be the proper word, not, not come down, but he, he got into a downer mood the day after the bar mitzvah. It was such a high that obviously could not be sustained. So he got into, you know, uh, sort of a sad mood after he was the center of attention. No, it's not withdrawal because he's not addicted. So we talked about that, and that's why I told him, that's why I'm a big believer in pursuing 7.5 to 8 rather than tens, because tens are followed by fives. And I don't want fives. So it was a great discussion, and there was a lot of dopamine in, in his system during that weekend. How could there not be? There would be in anybody's life who had such a, a high. 
So what do you do since there there's there's dopamine released when you know you go shopping and you buy some why why do people shop a lot? And by the way, I'm not immune to anything that I'm telling you. Okay? I the, the difference perhaps between me and others is that I am I am aware of that aspect of my life. That's very important. The first thing is awareness. But I I understand that. Look, with all my hobbies, I I love getting I love getting stuff. I love, you know, I know as silly as it sounds to most of you, I love getting a new fountain pen. I love getting ink, which by the way is part of my answer to what to do about the dopamine issue and pursuit of excitement. Phone number is one eight Prager seven seven six. The pursuit of dopamine, or if you will, excitement. I have more to say about it. And I'll take your calls. It's a big impediment to a happy life. So the pursuit of excitement. There's nothing wrong in having excitement in life, but the pursuit of it or reliance on it to be happy—that is the problem. And dopamine is the origin. You, you. It's a neurotransmitter that I don't know if the word what is secreted, I, I don't know, manufactured, created, I don't know what the word is, but it it takes place during moments of positive excitement. And so you the brain, if it has too much of it, reorients itself and the baseline is that my son, my my second son, Aaron Prager, who, by the way, was on one of my fireside chats for PragerU, which I do every week. I almost never have a guest, about three times a year. The last one I had was RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But I had my son, who's a remarkable young man. He's 30. And I remember he he's sober seven years. He's sober for seven years, and I remember in his battle to become sober, his one of his biggest fears, he said to me at one point, he said, I can't imagine that leading a normal life is enjoyable. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, and it was so powerful that's what people who are not just addicted to drugs, but people who are addicted to dopamine, to any anything that produces this great feeling that dopamine produces in you, it's hard to imagine a, a normal life. It's got to be exciting. People in Hollywood go from exciting party to exciting party, I actually think of their lives as so spectacularly devoid of depth. When I think of going from party to party, I don't know, what is the opposite of dopamine? <laughs> what, what is the depressed hormone if that or neurotransmitter? <laughs> oh, my God. But most people find parties very exciting, which is fine. 
and they they go from party to party and from award ceremony to award ceremony. No, nobody gives themselves as many awards as the people in Hollywood do. There's always some award to be given. So the pursuit of excitement is a big one. And there are so many different areas where that could happen. Uh, uh, shopping is an example of it. I'm not against shopping. I don't, I don't rail against the consumerist culture. American spending keeps a lot of people on earth employed. Uh, I, I, I do not look forward to a non-consumerist future. However, there is a real danger in terms of your happiness that you can come to rely on it because it's a dopamine transmitter. Buying stuff. Obviously, what is the thrill of gambling? It's a thrill. It's exciting to, to sit at, at, a, a, at a poker table. It's exciting to play roulette. It's exciting to apparently pull a the lever on a slot machine. I never quite understood that, but obviously different strokes, no, no pun intended, for different folks. The pursuit of excitement. That's why the really deep stuff doesn't interest so many young people. They have been raised on dopamine. Eh, let's, uh, let's study a, a, a foreign language. Let's study a musical instrument. It's so not exciting. What's exciting about practicing piano? It's not exciting. There's no dopamine. There's dopamine when you finally do the piece. It's not for dopamine that people play an instrument. It's for depth. It's for joy. It's to experience something elevated in life, which has tremendous rewards. My, by, by the way, I have a suggestion with regard to spending. I think you should monitor whether spending very little is all that less exciting than spending a lot. In other words, here's a question you need to ask yourself. Is buying stuff what produces the joy or dopamine or excitement? Or is spending a lot of money on stuff what brings you joy, excitement, etc.? I submit that for most people, it is the act of buying or shopping, not the amount spent. So keep yourself within a budget and still buy stuff. If you can do that, maybe you'll get the excitement and not be in debt at, uh, I don't know, whatever credit cards charge these days. There are other, also, there are other forms of excitement. So people say, you're looking forward to your cruise, you're looking forward to this trip, to that trip, and I have a blessed life. And I guess, to a certain extent, an exciting life. Though it's not the excitement that uh, that is meaningful to me. 
so I, I have I have learned to manage it. And here is a little thought for you. Do you know what I look forward to a great deal every single week? For many of you, this will sound bizarre. Just trust me. I promise you this is the truth. My Shabbat, my Sabbath, Friday Friday night to Saturday night is an oasis of joy. Is it dopamine? I don't know. Now, here's an interesting phenomenon I cannot explain. I hate that. I hate when something happens that I can't explain. Every single line is taken, and each one is a male. That was pointed out by Sean, who who identifies as a male. His preferred pronouns are he, him, and Zeke. I have no idea where he got that one from, but I honor it. Why is that? Why is it only men calling on this? Women, there, there is no sex difference in the pursuit of dopamine. Women gamble as much as men. Women spend as much as men. Oh, Dale is a female. Oh, I knew it. I should. When I saw I get a thrill from shopping when I find a bargain, I should have assumed that. <laughs> All right, let's go to Orlando, Florida, and Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Dennis. Thank you so much for taking my call. What an honor. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I was just uh, telling your call screener that uh, my daughter is in musical theater, graduated uh, up in New York and is in New York right now off Broadway. But we noticed in high school that whenever she had a really exciting role that she would, uh, she'd be all hyped up, excited for it, the performance of it, you know, in front of an audience. And then when that role was over, it was almost like grieving, um, because the character was gone and the dopamine and the audience was, the audience was gone. gone. Yes, the audience was gone, and that excitement of being in front of an audience and getting that huge, you know. Applause so did you end. did you explain that to her? I'm not I'm not blaming you if you didn't, because you. Oh no, I think we uh, we pointed it out after uh, a major role and and a uh, and really seeing the uh, almost depression she went into after it was done. You know, because it was uh, right. Her. So we, that that's out a, it's a, an excellent a, call. So so here is what I I would uh, conclude, obviously based on only what you've told me, which is uh, obviously just just a <laughs> sliver of her life. But what it sounds like is that that's that's what gives her meaning and joy, and is I would. Good? I would, if I spoke to her, I would say you need to look elsewhere. You can continue being an actress, that that's, mm-hmm. but you you can't rely on that for your meaning and dopamine. We are grateful that she is uh, finding a, a good man and uh, living a well-rounded life. That's so, it, uh, well-rounded in her life. 
Yes. So why do you sound so healthy? Are are you acting or are you really healthy? (laughs) (laughs) Why do I sound healthy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My job every day. I, uh, it's funny. She's up in New York on, you know, uh, on an off Broadway thing. And, and I'm down here slinging, uh, packaged ice in Orlando. So it's like, it's a very physical job. So people say I look, I don't look almost 60. It's because I'm in refrigeration all the time is what I tell them. You're, you're Um, a good man. I like that. He's slinging ice in Orlando. Do you understand folks that had somebody said to me, you will not eat until you guess what that man does in Orlando. I would die of starvation. An ice slinger in Orlando. Which is ironic because after, before Sean was an engineer, he was an ice slinger. He, but the trouble is he did it in Fairbanks and made no money. That was, that was the problem in his life. The trick is to sling ice in Orlando, uh, Sean, not Alaska. There's a big boo-boo. What's our time frame, Mr. McConnell? All right, I'm going to take more calls when we get back. It's a big deal. The reliance on excitement, and this is the physiological basis. It makes perfect sense. We have these hormones and transmitters of, of excitement. We return in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. On your mind about you, about me, about life, about death, and of course about fountain pens, stereo equipment, audio equipment, photography equipment, cigars, and classical music. And now, my friends, sit back and enjoy the glorious music. Here we go. Hello, y'all. Dennis Prager here. Don't be offended if I don't take your call. I always have to make this announcement. People are offended way too easily. It's clearly not personal because in the great majority of cases, I, I don't know you. And I, I, I say that with some hesitation because you know me, so there is that interesting factor, and you know me well, actually. Uh, but it's certainly not personal, and it just may not be a topic I want to discuss. For There could be so many reasons. Uh, maybe I just discussed it. Maybe I don't know anything about it. Maybe I don't think it's of general interest. I, it, it, maybe I'm not in the mood. Not in the mood. Don't I make war on that idea? Yeah, but th- this is different. Okay, everybody, 1-8 Prager, 776-877-243-7776. Oh, doke I learned what them music was W. Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, well, how would I know that? It wasn't white. It, no, it, it, no, it wasn't. When I read it, it was yellow. You owe me an apology, Sean. The entire America knows that you do. And he denies it. That is what kills me. Okay, let's see. Could you please get Al Gore in as a guest? 
I hereby publicly announce an invitation to Al Gore to come on my show. The chances of his saying yes are slimmer than your winning the lottery. Okay, just thought you, you should know that. So, okay, I'm opening up a line, and uh, I thank you for calling. And let's see. So I'm clearing up a number of lines here. Uh, okay, let's see. So forgive me, my folks, but I, okay. All right, Fenton, Michigan. David, hello. Oh, well, Baruch Hashem. Uh, so that, so uh, folks, for those of you who don't know what was just said, this is a Christian <laughs> saying, blessed is the Lord in Hebrew. Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do I know my customers? To, <laughs> yeah, to get by the screeners, you have to crush everything down to one sentence. That's right. That's correct. To, we've got There's... to get back to the Bible. No kidding. What I'm saying is we have fun, uh, you know, going on and on about how bad the left is and stuff. The problem is on our side, the people who are in charge of holding the keys to our civilization gave them up. Um, what really sets us apart is the idea that common people can read this scriptures that have the word of God. And, and uh, even before Luther, there were some that were saying, we've got to get the Bible into the hands of the common plowman. And, yes. Well, you know, interestingly, and, there was a group that really did say that, and that's the Jews. Uh, Jews always believed everybody should be reading the Bible. Of course, in the Jews' case, it was the Old Testament, but still, that's two-thirds of the Bible, even for a Christian. Listen, I I believe that even better than the term Judeo-Christian, which I use regularly, I have no problem with it, in terms of values. It's not There's no Judeo-Christian theology to speak, but there is Judeo-Christian values, and values is the most important thing to me. And what I now, if I want to be precise, it's really Bible-based values. That That's really the term that I think that we need uh, to use, and uh, the, man, the man is right. That is why uh, my, my massive devotion and time and energy to my Bible commentary, the Rational Bible. The fourth of the five volumes is coming out this year, later in the year. The book of Numbers in Hebrew, In the Wilderness, the fourth book of the Bible, and it is as important as any of the others. People don't know much about it, which is exactly why I hope you would read my commentary. It'll I have no doubt it will have a deep impact on your life, whether you're a believer or an atheist, Christian, Jew, anybody. It's called the Rational Bible, and they're they're beautifully printed as well, beautifully. They're they're sort of collector's items. I really ask you to read it, not so that I make money. I make money elsewhere. I I I ask you to read it because. It's so important. You should hear Julie Hartman, who's 24, when she speaks about how it's affected her life. She's this brilliant young woman that I do a podcast with, Dennis and Julie, which you should also all know about. Okay, 
Let's go on to, uh, whoa, this is up my alley. Kathy, El Segundo, California. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. Hi. Um, as, as your screener said when she asked my age and I said 80, you can understand why I would like to get a great camera that's easy to use. And I know you have expertise. So what would you recommend? Well, there is no camera that's hard to use. If you put on any any camera on automatic, you just pick up the camera and take a picture. They all have automatic settings. I never use them because I know I know cameras, but no 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 no, I don't use them because I as I said I know cameras. So I set I set the f stop, I set the uh, uh, the uh, the speed, I set the ISO, but that that doesn't mean anything to you. So it, 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 you, you, but it could. Oh well, it could. All right. Well, you'd. But so then, I don't know the difference between a difficult to use and an easy to use camera. And I've you, I have owned cameras of every major brand: Canon, Sony, uh, Olympus, uh, Fuji, uh, Nikon. It doesn't matter. You, they're as easy or as difficult as you want to get involved in it, and I, I think you should have a camera. And and you, I hope you fall in love with it because I am in love with, with cameras. There's a sort of legend that I've I've reached a legendary status in the minds of some of my colleagues uh, at Salem Radio. We we visited Mar-a-Lago a couple of years ago, and. The President Trump was there, and my colleagues quite understandably spent their time talking with the president. And I'm not, this is not a boast. This is just, it goes in the Dennis Prager lore of Salem hosts' histories. I spent the entire time speaking to the president's photographer. (laughs) He owned a Leica SL. And I was mesmerized. I learned so. I, I speak to photographers at weddings, bar mitzvahs, presidential visits. <laughs> I spend my time with the photographer. They're always amazed at how much I know. They're thrilled that somebody actually knows about cameras and photography. And I, and I learn so much from these people. They do it for a living. All I do is ask questions. I don't, I don't have any interest in speaking. I only have an interest in listening. It's it's great to have hobbies anyway. Okay, let's see. Ah, this might be good news. Joel in Palm Springs, California. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Yes. Uh, I'm very happy to get you because right now on my new car, I don't have AM station, only FM. And I think you guys should do something about it. You're right. Why are you driving uh, a Tesla? Yes. Yeah, I know. It's it's a bummer. Uh, it's it's actually not good for the country. Uh, AM radio is the thing that'll work if there's an emergency. But any, so, how are you listening? To, how are you listening to me? I'm driving my bike, Scott. Oh well, you should know. You you do you know how to listen? Even if you don't have an AM radio, it's so easy. I mean, like iHeartRadio or any and. If you have any internet access, you could hear my. I, I, I'm probably on 50 different places at one time. All, all this, most of the stations I'm on have their own app, so it's it's effortless to listen to the show. Okay, 
okay, uh, listen, uh, maybe you can do something about it with your program. Then the state decided to change many toll, uh, uh, carpool lanes into toll roads. And oh, you don't uh, like that because you got an electric vehicle, right? Correct. <laughs> All right, so my friend here called me up. Is he still around here? Yeah, here he is, Joel. Correct, Joel. Where are you from originally? Yes. I, uh, you have an accent. What? Where are you from? From your favorite country you never visited, Slovakia. I did visit. That's not true. During COVID, ironically, I went to Slovakia. Oh, I yes, on my way Slovakia. from Budapest to Praga. I okay. I stop. I yes, I was in Bratislava. Yes, sir. I I okay. and I, I consider Slovakians among the friendliest people I've ever met. Well, I'm glad for your experience. It wasn't mine when I was growing up. <laughs> oh, why you Jewish? Yes. Uh, man, I know my customers, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, no, that's a very that's a very interesting insight. It, it's um, it's worthy of its own call. Anyway, you and I differ on the on the uh, diamond lane issue. Uh, there is no bigger phoniness in our society, bigger fraud than the carpool lane. Ninety nine percent of the people in the carpool lane are not carpooling. They're in it because they happen to have another person in the car. You are in it without even carpooling. Because the government wants to engineer people into electric cars. So I think I'm 100% in favor of, make, of converting those lanes into, uh, into paid-for paid lanes. Without the people's input? Well... You don't have to vote for it? Uh, that, well, that's a, it's a fair question, but... If we voted on every single law that the government uh, government passes, or the state or the city passes, we would be in a, po- a polling booth every day. I mean, we we vote for the party, and that's that's the way that works. I didn't. E- w- but when did you even learn this? I th- I, I as I said, I'm a hundred percent for it <laughs> because well, I, when you know why I, I, I go on ninety one freeway. The, the 60 freeway, the 10 freeway. Oh, okay. Well, no, wait, wait yeah. the 10? Yes, on the 10, uh, approaching Burbank. And uh, it's going to be, it's not yet. But right now I'm on a 405 uh, in uh, Seal Beach, and it's already a uh, toll road. Really? Well, I want to tell you, this is a rare example of somebody calling up with bad news that I think is great news. Thank you, my friend. Joy to hear from you. That's fascinating, the whole thing. Every, everything is fascinating. If you want it to be, it's fascinating. I mean, folks, I'll, forget my own interest in the matter. Okay, Remove my desire 100%. I don't like lies. Carpool lane is a gigantic lie. We're living a lie. How many people are in it? Oh, we, well, I got a bunch of people in the car who would have driven otherwise on their own, but we're doing it to pool. People with a baby in the car are allowed in the carpool lane. 
I think uh, I read on a couple of occasions, pregnant women. Only women get pregnant, by the way, just because I don't like lies. So I'm not going to tell you men get pregnant. But uh, the carpool lane is is a sheer Orwellian name, and I and I on that grounds those grounds alone I oppose it. All right, thank you, Joel. I appreciate your call, and let's go to El Segundo, California. Jeff, hello. Happy Friday, Dennis. Indeed. Yes. So. I know you're an audiophile, and when I grew up, I'm 58, so when I grew up, it was vinyl, and then it went to digital, and at the time, I think it was kind of sold that digital was going to be better quality than vinyl, and now people are going back to vinyl. So I'm just wondering, which is the superior uh, audio quality and kind of why, if it's vinyl especially? Yeah, well, so let me tell you my own experience. You'll find this fascinating. And even people who don't give a damn about this should find it fascinating. As soon as, as compact discs, that's the first way we got digital. There was no streaming yeah. then. As soon as compact discs came out in the 90s, I sold every one of my records to a blind listener to my radio show in Los Angeles. I was only on in L.A. at the time. I became syndicated in 98. And uh, the guy, is a blind listener, loved my show, and... Somehow said, I, I want to buy, I'll buy your records. I sold him a thousand records for a thousand dollars. That guy today could probably get fifty thousand dollars. No doubt or more. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I'm being, I'm being conservative in my estimate. I regret terribly I ever sold those records. But, uh, you know, I also, I had, you know, some degree of sympathy for the guy. And he was a great guy, obviously. Anyway, he came over to the house. Somebody drove him over. He didn't drive on his own, thank God. And uh, I gave him my thousand records, which I I, I would pay the guy $10,000 to have him back. (laughs) So now, all right. So the question is, is, this is my theory, that a brand new no dust, no scratches record with a great turntable and a great cartridge will perhaps sound, will likely sound better than digital. But digital has massive advantages. No dust, no scratches. Find the exact band you want, the song you want, the movement you want. Uh, the advantages, in my opinion, outweigh the disadvantages as much as I am an audiophile. Uh, so I don't even own a turntable now. I'm completely digital. Also, the DACs that they're making, digital analog converters, are so sophisticated now that uh, it, it sounds great. What's a, what's a DAC, a digital a DAC is A DAC is in your phone. Everybody... You, how do you translate uh, numbers, digits, into sound? That's what's called digital to analog. Analog is what we hear. You can't hear numbers. So even a phone, a little phone has a DAC in it. Every time you hear music now, there's a DAC. But there are DACs that cost $25,000 that are super sophisticated in translating digits into sound. We return. The Dennis Prager Show. The loneliest monk 
use chopsticks to eat ice cream And saw the things that go unseen Knows exactly what I mean <coughs> The loneliest monk <laughs> I can't believe how much joy the same bloody song brings me every week. Yep, I heard it at the audio show in Munich, Germany last year. Brought it home and it almost caused the first rift in my marriage. <laughs> okay, let's see here. God, what, you know, so many important calls. Wow, Marina. Marina and Ella, you got to call me next week. Speaking about her daughter cutting herself because she wanted more of that happy feeling. You don't mean happy feeling, excited. Although maybe you do. It's fascinating. It's usually a real cry for help, though, cutting oneself. Yeah, that excitement discussion was really important. Claude in, in California, do you feel there is hope for the Muslim world? Um, I'm not particularly optimistic at this time. Uh, what can I say? I, I, all right, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Ed in Fort Worth disagrees with me about the most important audio part. Oh, my God, you have no idea how I want to take that call. Uh, let's see. Yes, is that true? Houston, Brian all the permits and federal regulations, what's taking those EV charges so long to build. No kidding, that's right. Julie in Cleveland wants me to stop using the term Palestinian for the sake of truth and clarity. I totally get what you are saying. That's why I I, I objected to this notion Palestine versus Israel. But Palestinian is, what am I going to say, Arabs who live in Palestine? Or, excuse me, Arabs who live on the West Bank? Or, or in what, it, it, it's, pe- people would not know to whom I'm referring. But she's right. There were no Palestinians till the, the 1960s. There were Arabs who lived in Palestine. Palestinian is, is a, a new group. Doesn't mean they don't exist. I'm not denying it. Of course they exist. But uh, it, it was created now. All right, and to you, uh, Ed in Fort Worth, probably about speakers being the most important. I'm dying to have that debate with you. Call me next week. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. Dennis Prager here. I'm about to do something on my radio show that may not have been done before by other talk show hosts. If you want to know what it is, text Dennis to 94878. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.